You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Okay, we are back with our next guest, someone who we've wanted to get on the podcast for a while, and now we've kind of got her through Lilric to come and be on the podcast, and we're going to have her on another time too. Dr. Brandy McNeil, she's the Director of Adult Services at the New York Public Library and our first New York Public Library employee on our podcast. So thank you, thank you. Thank you. It's like piercing a veil or something to try to get... Yeah, it's great. New York Public, anything, yeah. I know, right? It's so great. So... Brandy, you talked about a bunch of different things uh, at, at the conference in your presentation. But the thing I want to talk about, there's two main components. One is I want to talk about how you have partnered with Google and some of the other big corporations to do some amazing things. And then I want to touch base with talking about uh, people who are underrepresented communities within your library district and how we can – engage with them in, in ways we, we kind of talked about this off mic, but we'll get into it a little bit more. But let's start talking about Google. Um, I, I saw a presentation that you did a few years ago at Computers and Libraries, and yeah. the partnership that you have with Google is really quite fascinating. Can you can you kind of tell us about that? So, I, you know, it's funny. Our Google partnership has morphed so much. Um, what I do love is the fact that we're able to partner with them now where we do hackathons at Google. We do um, some of our classes for staff at Google. And really, you know, what happened originally and how it got started was through children really um, taking some of the models of what they were doing and how can we include it with kids. And from that, we started to talk and have discussions about adults. So part of it, I think, was they were just at a transformative point where they were trying to figure out how can they do some of what we were doing, which was how do we provide computer skills and basic skills to the patrons that need it, who might not be able to afford to go to a school to do it, who um, just need a local location to be able to go to, to do it. And so we were able to kind of powwow with them, if you might say, um, kind of brainstorm on what we felt the needs were, but then here's also how you guys can help us to kind of do this. And I think what it did was, obviously for us, it opened the door. It, it, it made people want to come because they're hearing the name Google and it's like, oh, wow, I get to do something, you know, at Google's, you know, location. And so it was kind of twofold. They were able to start to see and understand and get the patrons that they were looking for, and I call them patrons, even though I'm sure they don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this library talk. It's a damn um, terms of art, right? Yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, they were able to start to see patrons who, who were coming in with the types of needs that we have in our library system, and that was really who they wanted to help. And so I think, you know, in terms of how that got started, it was really about helping them to understand us, and then us to understand, well, here's kind of how, what we need in terms of help. And really space was another thing that we wanted. We wanted to be able to show people through our coding program that, you know, we, you can do this. You can end up at a Google. And just by having them there to do the hackathon, I think just really changed their thought process about it. And it changed probably the way Google feel, feels about libraries too, right? Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yes. I mean, when New York public comes knocking on your door, you, you can't, you know, look through the people and say, sorry, we're not home. Right. 
Right. I mean, it's it's good to be New York Public Library. I will say that. We're bowing right now. <laughs> yeah, it definitely can't be a bad thing. That's, no, not at all. Yes. Not at all. So, we, you were talking before about tech partnerships, um, yes. you know, and meeting people where they are in terms of what happened with the pandemic and kind of reinventing what we do. And we were just talking yes. with Miguel, a previous uh, guest, about kind of what happened here at Sachem with our maker space and, and our maker areas where, you know, there were weekly meetings. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And, you know, we were making videos and doing things, but we were more thinking about, okay, this is an opportunity. What are we going to do when we get back? And that was the main plan. And when yeah. we got back, we had devised a way to make our whole workflow paperless because before okay. we had, you know, people, oh, I want a 3D print. I want to print a Pokemon. Okay, fill out this form, put it at your library, barcode number, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We made yeah. it a completely digital experience. So we yeah. were able to it's a hacky analogy, but take a lot of horrible lemons and make some pretty good tasting lemonade right. to a point now where, you know, the rest of the building may want to copy the model. And now, you know, it's something that we've talked about, you know, in our technology meetings here in Suffolk County and, and stuff like that. But it's in terms of, yes, you want to worry about what's happening now, but you want to project into the future and think about how can we streamline. And it was a pause. We had three months off. And not yep. off, you're yep. working, but it was three months off of being away from the buildings and patron interaction. And it gave you that time to think and think about how do we do this and how do we do it better? Because we knew, we all knew we were coming back. This is a business that is not something you can do remotely. Right. This is a very hands-on, in the trenches kind of thing. So right. the core, the core of it is definitely, yes. Exactly. And, and how do we hold to our values and, and do all that, that, that air quotes library stuff, right? So mm-hmm. that's one thing that we did. And, you know, in terms of, Doing that and having that foresight, we also wanted to say, how can we have patrons do this? So we created web pages off the website where patrons can actually submit their jobs remotely. And it would go to a Google form, which would then push to this and that. And then we would get the job. We would do the job or we would have a meeting with them over Zoom or or whatever their their choice is to say, we don't understand how this works. Or maybe just a phone call. And mm-hmm. and then we we'd talk it out the same way we would in person. And then when let's say it's a 3D print and it failed and I love it when things fail because you don't learn unless something doesn't work and then you learn how to make it better. If, if Babe Ruth, if Babe Ruth or A-Rod hit a home run every single time, it would be boring watching baseball, right? right. And right. why would you want to play against them? So, <laughs> so the idea was to have a, a video conference and hold up the item and say it failed here, here, and here, and then talk about in the model how we can make it work better. And now we've evolved now to a point where most people are coming back. But I thought that was kind of a transformative thing where we were able to reach out to the people who would ordinarily come in but were afraid to come in. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's one of those things that we learned from the pandemic. But in terms of, you know, meeting people where they are, what mm-hmm. is New York Public doing that's along the lines of what we did here or maybe something completely different and transformative that, that you could share with us? Yeah, so I would say in terms of meeting people where they are, for us, it's really about how can we, so I think a lot of us did outdoor programs and, and we got into the community. We even did some programming in parks um, that were nearby and kind of brought it out. I think the, the thing that people need to think about with this is what are the needs and making sure you understand the new needs of your communities because COVID has really created a whole new set of needs for people. 
understanding that and then understanding what it is you're going to end up providing that's going to be the thing for them. So a good example is the Apple partnership. COVID was still going on. We weren't back in person and we were trying to figure out, well, how do we do our brand new app development program and still have customers excited and wanting to come? And so we decided we're going to take that chance and we're going to allow them because we, we knew specifically that we wanted the community that didn't have access to all the high-tech equipment to be able to be, to be in this program. But we're not in person and this is where we have the stuff. So how do we get it to them? So we decided and we work with Apple to say, we want to loan these devices out to them. And so people got MacBook Pros and iPads in order to continue their programming with us and and be in this app development um, program. And once again, we were also looking at the inequities that there are in tech. So figuring out what is the impact you want to have and where you want to put that focus will guide you in terms of not only who you want to partner with, but also in how you should go about doing it. And so we knew that in the communities we were trying to hit, which we looked for, you know, people who were in certain communities who were um, at, in certain income brackets, like we did all of that and said, okay, here's who we want to target and, and we're going to give them the tools to do this because we really want to see them succeed. And we want to see us have an impact in the technology world. So that's, that's an example of one of the things that we've done. And it makes sense to to reach out to the community too, because some people may have accessibility issues. Some people may be caring for a loved one. Uh, yep. And again, talking about the inequity of equipment, you know, MacBook Pros are expensive. iPads are expensive. Exactly. Not, not everybody can Good afford content. those things. Uh, and, you know, to give access to that gives access to then help somebody to open a door. To, to open say, a door. It's, it's mm-hmm. all about opening a door. Whether or not somebody steps through it, it's the, it's the old adage about leading a horse to water. Yeah. You, know, you can give someone the access or the exposure to that material or the hardware. Whether What they do with it is a different story. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Like wow. that's the whole thing that we, we discuss in our Project Code program, right? We can give you the knowledge. But at the end of the day, if you're not going to take it and do anything with it, what more can we do, right? It's, it's almost like, when we say, okay, you have to practice coding. You can't just come in, do your classwork, and then never touch it again until it's time for class again. It's not going to work. So 100%. That makes for a, that makes for a bad developer if that's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? Here's the good thing about what I love that we do. We provide a lot of different programs and a lot of really advanced technologies so that people can get their feet wet and actually see is this something I want to explore? Is this something I want to do? Or is this thing just not for me without you having to go pay $10,000 to realize, mm, you know, this isn't for me. And now you've got a $10,000 payment you still need to make. So that was kind of the thing that we wanted to do, making sure that, okay, if you did want to go down this path, hey, let us show you what it what it's like, what it includes. So I was just going to ask, I wonder, Dr. McNeil, how do you handle... Um, folks that might be um, afraid to use some of the technology or a little bit behind in some of the technology, the reference points and things like that. 
Right. So I think, you know, in terms of what we do is we try to provide a wide range of courses. So for instance, we do a couple of things. One is if somebody tries to get into one of our programs where we have a a kind of like a test or an assessment to get in, we then we don't say, okay, well, you didn't pass. You can't get it. We say, you know what? These are the classes that if you take these with us, this will get you to where you want to be. So that's one thing we do. The other thing is sometimes people are just not comfortable, you know, in testing and and doing their own kind of skill set in terms of coming to a class and doing it that way. So we have our online shop where you can do things. And then we created kind of a test yourself where you can kind of test yourself behind closed doors, you know, where you get back the results of, well, here's where you need to improve, but you don't have to feel embarrassed that, okay, well, somebody else knows that information. And that was really key when we when we created the test yourself assessments. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's it's like no judgment, right? And and no embarrassment. No but now I know, okay, here's how I need to improve and here's how I can get my feet wet. And it tells you exactly this is what you would need to take. This is where you're you know, you need to focus because you got this part right, but this is still where you're lacking. It makes a lot of sense. And and you have the added advantage of in, in libraries out here on Long Island, it's it's usually either we're hiring a programmer like Girls Who Code or something like that, or it's us doing it as staff members. And sometimes, right. you know, you have a certain skill set, but it only goes to a certain point. Um, mm-hmm. I know my coding skills are, you know, it's a little bit of HTML. That's all I speak. <laughs> um, and then I have some other people that we just did a class in um, in Python, which is like, okay. That, yeah, that's great, that. man. I can't touch that. But yeah. But again, you can only go so far. So you have the added advantage of having the NYPL name behind you and getting Google and Apple to come and actually teach these classes. And I think that's absolutely phenomenal. Well, I, that's the thing. I don't get them to come in and teach. I never let anybody come in and teach. They teach our staff and our staff then teach it. That's wow. Smart. Wow. My hands so, are in the air. Yeah, I'm, my mind is blown. <laughs> Because you know why? I've always thought about it. And this is with every program we do. It's about sustainability for us. I can't sustain it if you decide to walk away and now the program's gone and you're gone too. So with every partnership we do, nope, you can't come in and train. You can't come in and, and, and train our patrons. You can train us and then we'll we'll take it and do it from there. But yep, with every partnership, that's, that's how fantastic. we do it. So Bob, I know what the next question you're going to ask is. Yeah. Go for it. No, and I want to make sure you're right. Well, about, okay, so that's great. You're going to teach the staff. What happened? What do you do with the staff? They're like, uh. They retire, I guess. Uh, that's what happened. <laughs> how, how, how do you deal with that? And no trade secrets. We're not poo-pooing anybody yeah, yeah. because this is no. pervasive in library land. So, Well, they have a place, right? You would just you would just put them in, a, in another, like they can help and they can have buy-in. Maybe they wouldn't be teaching the coding, but they would certainly be the support staff behind it, right? See, Rob's got it already. He already knows. <laughs> Anything yeah. you need out there at New York Public Library, you let me know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. We, 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 we allow them to have the choice. I don't force anybody to teach anything. Hey, this is where we think we want to go with this. Are you interested? We think we want to do game design. Are you interested? The other thing I think is really key is if you want your staff to pursue something, you have to allow them the professional development to do it. So, for instance, we decided we wanted to open up a studio. So at the new library that we have, the Stavros Miyakos Foundation Library, 
we decided we want a studio there. Okay, great. But I had some staff that knew and some staff that didn't know how to do some of the stuff in there. For the ones that did want to learn, okay, let me send you and you went to Pro Tools training. You went to Adobe Premiere training, right? So that I can have you operate the stuff that's going to be in that location. Because if you actually invest in your staff, they're going to be happy about that. Now, some of them are certified. So that's just a plus on their resume. But then I think some people look at it as being scared to lose the person after you've you know, invested so much in them. But people appreciate when you invest in them and you help them to get to that next level. And that's what you should want. So that's how we're able to keep them and do it and keep it moving. I was just going to say, re- and you keep it all in-house, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then you know what? They, they, um, morale kicks up because they want to be there. Right. You know, it's not this forced thing that they have to do this or retire or, you know, go look for another job. somewhere. I mean, that's uh, all around. That's such a great idea. Yeah. And, and not only that, it's also something new. They're not doing the same monotonous stuff. They're not up back to basic or beginners, such as such again, like, oh, wow, I'm learning something new. And it makes the job fun and interesting, too. So, well, and you're investing in them. Right. And if they see you investing in them, my gosh, they're going to want to reinvest themselves in you. So it's just a circular. It's empowerment process. Yeah, exactly. I love it. It's empowerment. That's exactly what we're doing. Yep. And if they do end up taking their career and going someplace else, that's fine, too. I mean, you know, listen to me, that's still a good look for us because you know what? Wow. Where did they start and where did they end up? Oh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. <laughs> so let's shift gears for a sec. Cause I, I, we talked about something off mic, um, about reaching out to, uh, communities that are underserved. And by that, I mean, I, there, there was this idea that, that we had here. Uh, I have a friend who's of Pakistani descent and we, it was around Christmas time and we chatted about, you know, what her experience is being non-Christian and seeing the chaos that is the holiday season here. And mm-hmm. it, it dawned on me, you know, we do a holiday lights show here. We do, you know, you can make a holiday ornament. We use the word holiday, you know. But how, why can't we also reach out and do cultural things for other cultures? And it doesn't necessarily have to be religion. It can be, but you have to, again, walk that tightrope. But in terms of, you know, serving those communities that may not be as represented. Um, does NYPL do something like that? In, in a way, oh, we do tons of that. I mean, I have a whole department that's dedicated to that. Wow. Like, that's what we do. Um, and, and we do it in a variety of different ways. I mean, I love what you said in terms of, especially because you're doing it at Christmas time where you're bringing in a whole different perspective. And that's exactly what all libraries should be doing. It's about opening people's eyes and thinking beyond yourself and thinking about others. And just the way it came about, I I really love how it came about through conversation and you really thought about them. Um, And so that's what we do in our programs, you know, whether it's um, thinking about people of a certain age group, whether we're thinking about people of a certain gender, whether we're thinking about just all aspects, we think about that in our programming, not only in our programming, but we think about that in our collections. That is a huge part of our strategic vision going forward right now in in 2022. So it's about how can we ensure that we've got equity across the board and how are we going to do that? And part of that is ensuring that we are thinking about other cultures because 
obviously we're in New York City. So we're, we're as diverse as we're going to be. And, and, we, and we do a lot of it. I mean, we, I mean, so I think what I tend to see people do is, oh, it's a particular month, right? So right now it's Hispanic Heritage Month. And so people focus on that and they only focus on it that month. What we say to our staff is, yep, it's Hispanic Heritage Month. And if you can't do something this month, do it next month, the month after, and the month after that. You know why? Because there's still going to be Hispanic people who have heritage going on in those months. So don't just focus on people during a certain month. Focus on it all year round, throughout. Those people are those people. They're human. Their experiences matter. And not just for a particular month. Exactly. That's a good point. Exactly. That's a great point. Because the month because is, you know, to, the month is yeah. to feature it. To, to bring it to people's attention, but it, yep. you don't right. take the decorations and put them in a box and put them in your cellar for right. another 11 months. You know, people who are Central American are still here. People who are Portuguese are still here. People from, yes. from the Middle East are still here. So, right. you know, it, it's, it's the nice calling card that, you know, there's a month dedicated to it, but why can't we make that initiative all the time? Because at the end of the day, we're all humans, right? Exactly. And not only that, so like, I'll tell you one of the things we're, we're looking at doing right now is how can we combine kind of all of our different services to create and expand the experience for the patron? So I'll give you a good example. So right now we do film programs, right? People come in or they're it's virtual and like they watch a film and then, you know, sometimes people do discussions about it and then they go home. We're saying, how do we expand that? Let's have them come in. They're going to watch the film. Well, you know what? We've got classes that show you how to do video effects and, and, and effects on film. So the next part will be you come in and we'll show you how to do that effect that you saw in that movie that we just watched. OK, so then now the next week we're going to discuss because we have a career services department. Well, maybe you want to be in film. So let's have a discussion around that. Let's have somebody come in who can tell you how to get into the film industry, who can tell you about the behind the scenes of, of what it's like to be in the film industry so that you can determine if that's the, the, the path you want to go down. That's for somebody wholly different. And then to add on to that, we have an adult English language and literacy program that has a lot of immigrants who speak other languages. Well, we do movies in other languages. So what about having them have conversations about the movie that's in another language that the people who are coming for that movie in the other language enjoy. And so that builds a whole, once again, when I was talking in my presentation about pathways, that's what I'm talking about. Build the pathway within your own library system and then bridge it with somebody who can take it to the next level, right? Because we can get you the beginner, but then you need somebody to get them to the intermediate level and then the advanced level. So. Wow, that is amazing. And and just thinking in terms of you having a whole department, I'm thinking there's like two people in my building and maybe Bob has one person that's doing that and four other things. Yeah, that's right. But that department is four people, right? So this is why I say like we have to, to, sometimes it's not just about the size of your department. It's just how you can expand their minds, how you can excite the team to want to think about it differently and do a little more and magic will happen. It's that thinking outside the box, right, Bob? I tell you, you guys used the right word before about empowering. That's what you're doing. Exactly. And when these people feel empowered, they feel invested in, and then they turn around and empower others. So you don't have to be this person running a circus all day long. Exactly. Um, you have empowered people under you, uh, right next to you, doing the same thing. That's leadership, right? So. Exactly, yep. Yeah. So, Dr. McNeil, this has been a pleasure, and we want to have you come back on. We have so much to talk about. 
And so much. You could so also much. be our second guest from NYPL. <laughs> <laughs> what a pleasure and a great presentation as well. Thank you. Yes. Appreciate it. Thank you so much All for right. your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you.